What's going on, coaches? Got back from AFCA a couple weekends ago. Uh, had a blast. It's my very first time. Uh, great to meet a bunch of coaches, see a bunch of different coaches there. Uh, and thanks to all the coaches that sat down, spent some time, and, and taught me some ball. Um, excited to now be going to hopefully the Dallas Glacier uh, and then down into College Station uh, for the Lone Star Clinic as well. Hit me up if you guys are going to be there. I uh, would love to talk some football with you guys. Also, the last few weeks, I've been able to go to a couple roundtables here in the Dallas area, um, one by Cedar Hill and one hosted by Princeton. So been a really great offseason so far, getting better. Uh, got to do some powerlifting this year, which has been really fun with the guys. And so uh, we're excited about kicking off some new recordings here soon still putting out our last few recordings from last year and then we'll get into uh, recording new episodes for you guys so as always if you need anything from us just head over to runthepower.com this episode of rtp is brought to you by team builder great teams win first in the weight room ensure your team wins their off season with the most up-to-date programming and workout delivery software Team Builder is offering a modern, full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder trial. Not only does this program include in-season workouts, but also football-specific off-season workouts that prepare your athletes for the high demands of the season. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing the risk of injury. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard from Rowdy and the RTP podcast. Or use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial at Team Builder, which is teambuildr.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know that the best way to represent our big win is with a big championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you guys celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and as we all want, affordable from design to delivery. To get started, please contact your dedicated Run the Power Legacy Builder, Sam Daniel, at samd at legendrings.com. Let him know that Run the Power sent you, and Legend Rings will make your ring for free. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with J.D. Atkins. Coach Atkins is the OC and quarterbacks coach at Ben Russell High School in Alexander City, Alabama. Listen as we talk with Coach Atkins about creating the Alabama football chat on Twitter to help Alabama high school football coaches. We also talk about a bunch of offensive topics with him. You can follow Coach Atkins on Twitter at Coach underscore JD underscore Atkins. Hope you guys enjoy. man so we've had you on before um i know you were at was it dothan is that am i saying it right dothan I was, yeah i was at dothan so i dothan, know that's you, the first first place uh i think the ufc ever went or, or one of the <laughs> one of the big ufc fights was in dothan alabama i got no clue but that's cool you learn something every day <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you had been there and i know you were on with uh with coach pridge and uh you know now you're gonna be on obviously here uh all by your lonesome, but, uh, you know, give us kind of an update, you know, what's, what's been going on in, in your world since, uh, since those days, I know you got a, a couple of different gigs and I know you're doing a heck of a job with the, uh, 
the new chat you're doing for the guys uh, in Alabama, the Alabama coaches. So, you know, give us kind of an update as to, you know, what, what's happened since the last time you were on, man. Yeah. So uh, we, we wrapped up last season um, at Dothan um, was kind of a tough year. Um, you know, we, we, we had some, uh, some tough events go on during COVID and, and some things that we didn't quite adjust very well to. Um, so it was a pretty tough year. Um, coming into this year, um, Benjamin Russell High School, uh, which is in Alexander City, it's really near Auburn. Um, they hired a new head football coach. Uh, his name's Aubrey Blackwell. Um, and so he started putting together a new staff. Um, offered me a chance to come be the offensive coordinator, uh, work with quarterbacks. And uh, it's really close to where I'm from, uh, from Opelika, which is in the Auburn area as well. Um, so it gave me a chance to be back close to home, close to family, um, and continue doing what I love to do on a high level. Um, so we made that switch. Um, to went through spring ball with them. Uh, now we've started summer. Uh, we're in like week three of summer right now. So just really getting rolling, learning the kids, um, putting in system, trying to trying to change the culture. And so that's kind of where we are on the football front. Um, you mentioned the the chat. Uh, where we are with that is I want to say that was probably, you know, two and a half months ago or so. Um, somebody put out a graphic on Twitter uh, and it had all the chats during the week. Um, and there was an empty spot on Thursday um, where there were, there really wasn't much of anything going on. And I, I saw, you know, my partner, David Lundberg, uh, who's the OL coach at Vestavia Hills, he, uh, he responded to it and said, you know, man, it would be really cool if, if Alabama could fill that spot. And we kind of talked and figured we'd give it a shot, and it's kind of grown, and we've just kind of run with it. Coach, I'd say it's, I, it's obviously I, grown a bunch. Yeah, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, I think it's been awesome. I know you guys had reached out to, you know, Coach Hart, myself, uh, and, you know, to do some of these things and, and you know, kind of help, you know, promote some of this stuff. I just think it's so good, you know, for, for so many aspects. Obviously, you're going to get the communication and the collaboration uh, and the sharing of ideas. But I, I think even better, it just creates more of kind of a, a brotherhood of coaches, you know, guys like yourself who, who, you know, maybe you're trying to move a little bit closer to home or, you know, guy, guys have something that, that happens in the state and they got to move, you know, to the Gulf Shores. I, I'll use this example, you know, cause I've, I've been down there, you know, vacation and things like that. But, you know, I just think when you, when you have that avenue to now it's, you know, be able to do it social media wise, you, you learn where these guys are at, you open up those doors, you, you start to meet other coaches, you know, guys move up in the profession and they have to find a, a staff that's difficult to do in, in any state. So I think the more avenues you have and, and now having an Alabama, you know, football chat, it's, it's a state I like to visit, you know, it's a, it's a state, you know, you never know, Hey, maybe I re retire down there and I want to continue to coach. I just think there's, there's so many cool avenues that you guys are opening up in, in a state like Alabama, where, you know, to be honest, I think the, the football has been underrated. Uh, by a lot of people. So I've been excited to see it, it really, really blow up here in these two and a half months to where, you know, it's something we, we look forward to being able to do, you know, if we're able to get on. Yeah, we, we, uh, we really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been crazy. Cause like I said, you know, when we first started, we really didn't know what we wanted to do with it. We really didn't have any type of end goal. We just, we wanted to fill that space and 
like you said, Alabama's got great high school football and, and it's kind of underspoken for at times. And um, the coolest thing that I've seen throughout these last two and a half months or so is, like you said, you, you, you get to connect with coaches that maybe you knew or you've heard of or, or you kind of know of them through the business. But now you're getting to have direct you know dialogue with them and you're getting to swap ideas, whether it's schematically or program or weight room or fundraising or whatever. We're just able to put ideas out there and, and, and float things around and create good conversation. And, and like you said, if it helps somebody, you know, connect with this guy and he gets a job somewhere, then great. Or if it's just, you know, your Thursday night entertainment, whatever it is for you, I think it I think it kind of wear a lot of different hats. Coach, how has that been trying to to come up with good content to to invoke great questions or great answers? Because um, uh, obviously there's a lot of these chats and they've been doing it a long time. Um, and, and it would be, you know, like us, I think we, we get lucky. We get to kind of talk. I mean, that's, that's easier. Hey, we can ask a question. We can let those people go. Uh, we can kind of let each person kind of go their own way with what we're talking. I think obviously with the chat makes it a lot more difficult for the person putting it on because you've got to try to think of new questions or you got to try to, uh, get those questions that, come across and you they can only be you know I forget what the number is now but 220 characters whatever it is and then you know you're you're hoping you get your question across and that it has the right answers and you don't want to repeat too many of the same questions throughout the time what is that process like trying to find good questions good questions that fit and good questions that that get answered things that that you want answered yeah it's it's been tough for sure um I know at the beginning one thing we did was we sat down, we created a Google doc and just kind of threw ideas on the paper. You know, it's crazy how quick you go through those. And, um, you know, we ask every week, you know, send, send us questions, send us topics and, and people do from time to time. And we try to use those, but what makes it really tough is, you know, at, in these early stages, especially we, we don't want to ask any questions that may exclude a coach. So like if you ask an offensive specific schematic question, a defensive guy may feel unable to answer or unwilling to answer. And so that kind of limits the participation of the chat. So we've tried to keep it pretty um, more generic, more program-based, more holistic view type stuff uh, where anybody can answer, whether they're a head coach or a position coach, offense, defense, doesn't matter. Uh, we're just trying to create as much conversation, as much dialogue as possible, get as many people involved as possible. And then as we kind of grow that base, then we can kind of, you know, weave into some of the niche areas and talk about some scheme type stuff. Um, but, but it, I mean, it has been tough to make sure that, that we're constantly giving pretty good questions. But luckily, I mean, as you guys know, that's, that's one of the, the best parts about having a, a partner and not doing it yourself is you can bounce those off of each other and, you know, two heads are better than one. There's no question about that. I know Harper's bailed me out many a time and and i'm sure you know he's probably probably been in the same boat you know having someone else there to to like you say bounce ideas off collaborate with you know somebody that that thinks you know not exactly like you but they think you know pretty pretty similar uh to where you can kind of you know get those things going and and i think you guys do a great job i was gonna say with the chat like there's so many offshoots uh that i noticed from from your guys's chat like i mean your, your guys's questions there won't really be like a theme of the night. I love how it, it is kind of like all over the place. It forces you to really kind of think about it. And again, you don't have to participate in every single one, but 
it seems like you can always find a couple, you know, you'll answer, you'll dive into, you'll give an opinion. And then it seems like there's usually four or five other coaches who will either DM you, uh, you know, we'll, we'll add you, we'll ask you a question on there. Uh, and that's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing, because then it turns into kind of like you've said, it's that little mini clinic, you know, and, and they're not necessarily following all five questions that you guys ask. You know, they got caught up on question number two and they kind of broke off to the side. And here we go. Now, now we're having the clinic. We're having the talk. Uh, we're sharing video. We're sharing ideas. And it just kind of rolls from there. It takes on a life of its own. Yeah, I mean, you said it. That, that And that for me, that's kind of that's kind of where I like to see it go is is, you know, for a guy that's a football junkie and, and just wants to learn and continue to soak stuff in, you know, if, if, if every chat you can learn one thing or pick up one thing that can help you or, or even inspire one thing where you can maybe change something about the way you coach something or the way you approach something or, or even, a, you know, your future. Like if you're a guy that wants to be a head coach in the future and you can write that down in your book as something you want to add to your plan, like, you know, what, whatever we can give, and whatever somebody can take out of it, you know, that that's the ultimate goal is just to, you know, just for example, I mean, David Lundberg is, is my partner on this and, and I've never met the guy in real life. You know, it's, it's a social media thing. That's the crazy thing about Twitter and what it's doing for our coaching world is you're able to connect with people that you wouldn't meet in real life and, and share ideas and, and help better each other. So I, I'm just really grateful for, for Twitter and platforms like it that, allow us to continue to grow our game coach uh, you, you mentioned now with quarterbacks were you with quarterbacks in the past you weren't with quarterbacks in the past were you yeah I've, okay so I went to Dothan originally as an offensive line coach I, I played offensive line in high school uh, that's kind of been where my forte is but every time I've been an offensive coordinator I take on the role of coaching quarterbacks so gotcha. I've done that for for four or five years uh, I've coached the quarterback position and um, it's become it's become kind of like my second baby. Um, nothing nothing can ever really replace coaching offensive <laughs> line. That's, that's a special feeling. That's a special thing. But what I do love about the quarterback position that I don't feel like you get anywhere else is you get that true one on one relationship. You get to you get to dive deeper. You get to be a little bit more cerebral and and really get a a really strong individual personal relationship with with your quarterback and I think that's hard to replicate anywhere else well that's why I, I kind of wanted to ask because you've been like you said offensive line you've been quarterbacks coach Walls has done the same thing I mean he's gone from um he, he's done a little bit of all of it but Walls you've done quarterbacks and, and you've coached offensive line what was what was that transition like for you um I th- I agree with what he's saying. Like, you know, O-line is, it's a much more like cohesive, you know, type deal, communication, everybody working together, combinations, you know, you you might have a similar relationship, you know, with like your center, if he's calling protections or he's making calls and things like that. But, but still it's not like, you know, I'm meeting with him all the time. You know, it's, it's way different. I think with the QB, um, when you work with the QB, to me, it's almost like working with like another coach. Uh, I really, I really do think it is. I mean, you're, you're basically creating a, a player coach. I, I think if you're doing it correctly or if that's the offense that you run. Um, but I felt like anytime I coached quarterbacks, that was the type of relationship I had. I was teaching them, you know, football. I was mentoring them. 
you know, teaching them decision-making, how things work. And then not only that, uh, once they kind of had reached the, the level of, I wouldn't say mastery, but like they're in control of the offense, they're going to make the decisions and they're going to go win us football games. I really wanted to know their opinion. Um, and I wanted to, you know, listen to those guys and, and kind of create it as equals. And I think once I had coached the quarterbacks and coached that way, it really transformed the way I kind of coached everybody. Uh, I've kind of, I think from coaching the quarterbacks, I've probably become a lot more player centric rather than, Hey, my way or the highway. It's crazy. I, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, you know, as, as the O-line coach, um, originally I found myself, you know, a lot more, um, and I don't want this to have a negative connotation, but a lot more energy, a lot more, a lot more like hyped up, a lot more excited. I feel like quarterbacks has, has calmed me down a little bit more because you have to be more cerebral. You've got to talk through things. You've got to kind of slow down. It is that one-on-one personal relationship. And, and like you said, it's changed the way I've approached everything. It's changed the way I, you know, I taught with O-line. It's changed the way I taught with any position. Um, and like you said, I think you said it best when you said player-centric. It, it really makes you think about more of the individual uh, than, than more of the uh, collective cog when it is offensive line. And I think it's fun too, because I mean, you get you're getting to, to when you coach the quarterback, you're literally coaching everything. I mean, 100%. you're coaching the pass game, you're coaching him on coverages, you're coaching him on blitzes. You know, why why do defenses fit things this way? Why are they trying to spill it? Why are they trying to box it? Why are we calling this play? And and honestly, it makes you a better coach. Um, I remember, you know, listening to videos uh, as I was kind of going up and, and listening to you know guys like uh, Belichick and uh and mcdaniels and they work with tom brady and they're saying like you you had to be prepared for every meeting because that was the way you know tom brady was going to prepare it and that was kind of how i felt when i met with qbs i had to have you know most of the answers you know and when i didn't have the answer it was pretty cool to be able to again say you know i don't know or i'm going to find it or we're going to find that answer together but you know being prepared for meetings and and being able to to speak and being able to communicate it makes you a lot better coach because uh, I think you have to, you really have to dive into uh, more of football, you know, and, and that's not to say, you know, other positions aren't complex and things like that. It's just, there's so many other things that go into, you know, being the quarterback coach. And then ultimately you're, you're probably going to be the OC as well. Um, I, I I'm with you too, coach. I, I think it'd be hard the OC and not coach the QBs. I, I really do. I mean, unless you had somebody that was like, you know, one of your, your biggest brothers in the coaching world, coaching the QBs. I, I just think it'd be too weird. Um, I, I've done it before, and it, it was difficult for me. I couldn't do it. I was the play caller and coaching O-line, uh, and, and then, you know, not being able to have the kind of conversations you wanted to with the quarterback, it was just weird. It just, it just felt like a, a weird combination. And then once the next year I went back to coaching the quarterbacks, everything just fell back into place. You still had that relationship with the O-line. You still had the relationship with the receivers and the running backs. But uh, I just think it's super difficult. And I don't know how anybody could do it. You'd have to be like the best friends ever, I think, to, to be able to manage that. I, I agree. I mean, uh, it's, I don't know if it's like a, like a control deal or what, but I, I, I've, never, I've never been an OC and not coached quarterbacks just for that fact that, I've got to, I've got to be in his ear. I've got to have that one-on-one relationship with him. I need him to think like I think if I'm calling the plays, um, and I, I need him to be an extension of me. 
uh, at least mentally. And and if I didn't have that, I, I don't know if I'd know how to function. Coach, obviously, you know, both both you guys, but but Coach uh, Atkins, uh, it's the quarterback is the most important uh, position on the on the field. Obviously, I mean, and, and there's some offenses that can really go with a great tailback and all that, but really, quarterback is is what everyone wants to know. Who's the quarterback? Who's it going to be? You know, all this stuff. What is it? What's the development like for an OC a quarterback coach knowing that guy is so important and knowing you really get the pick of the litter at least most schools I mean and not just necessarily development but when you're trying to look and find a quarterback because in college you're going to pick the kind of quarterback you want I want a dual threat guy I want a guy that can run I want a guy that can stand in a pocket whatever you want to fit your offense you're picking him in high school you're trying to find you know, either your best player, or you're trying to find the guy who can throw the best. You're trying to, that could be something different from year to year, and it changes your whole offense based on who that guy is. At every other position, almost, you've got to kind of pick who you know. You kind of get who you got as far as on the team. Like Lyman is going to be the big guys, and you might be able to steal a few D linemen, but basically you probably won't. And and you know, kind of like that. Most places, the quarterback you're getting to pick. Whoever you want, whoever on the team, hey, you pick who you want at quarterback and, and we'll figure everything else out from there. What does that process look like for you? Or, or what's that thought process? Or, or how do you go about, you know, kind of making those decisions and trying to decide who that's going to be? I'm sure even from eighth and ninth grade on. Yeah, for I guess for me, um, it's not really like a body type type thing. It's not a physical stature thing. You know, I've, I've coached a lot of different quarterbacks that, you know, range anywhere from five eight to six five, and you know they've all been able to play the position. What, what I look for more is, uh, you know, some of the intangibles. Are they smart? You know, can they retain information and not just retain it? Can they then turn around and use that information? Um, are they a problem solver? Uh, you know, when things get tough, when things break down, are they are they the kid that gets frazzled and and doesn't know how to respond, or are they the kid that you know is just going to find a way to to solve the problem? Um, and then, and then, you know, always kind of that third trait is, is, it's kind of that, it's kind of that trait where there's not really a great word for it. You know, some people call it swagger. Some people call it moxie, confidence, whatever, but do they have that it factor? Do they have that, Hey, I want the ball in my hands. I want to be the guy that controls this game. I want to be the guy that distributes it. I want to make the decisions and I'm confident doing it. And not only am I confident doing it, I'm confident doing it when the, there's 12,000 people in the crowd and, and the band's playing on Friday night and my girlfriend's in the stands watching and, and, and can they handle that type of stage? And so if they're those three things, if, if they're smart and able to retain and use information, you know, if they can diagnose on the run and, and problem solve and not get frazzled, and then they've got that kind of confidence or that swagger to them, those are the three biggest things that I look for when I'm trying to find you know, who's going to be the guy. Um, and, the, and then and then from there, you know, we'll develop the physical side of it. But those three things are what I've found to be probably the most important when it comes to finding the right fit for that position. I love all that. I I was reading, I, just again, you, you're scrolling through Twitter, and, and I know on Football Scoop, Todd Dodge had put out, you know, kind of how, how he develops QBs. I think he was at that, that Angelo <laughs> clinic down in, uh, in Texas. Uh, and he, he done a really nice job kind of laying it out, how they've done it, you know, grade to grade. 
obviously he's at a, a huge school, but I mean, some of the things made a lot of sense, you know, Hey, making sure you're not just, you know, developing one dude in your lower levels, you know, having multiple guys, especially in the day and age of guys moving, guys transferring, guys going places. So you're not, not putting all your eggs in one basket. And then, uh, you know, he talked a lot about, you know, the, the, the kid has to want to do it. You know, yeah. there's, there's a, a lot of kids. And again, you know, I, I would have this conversation all the time when you'd run your, your summer QB academies, you know, you'd have 15, 16 kids show up, but I'd always have the, the comment. I'm like, Hey, I, I know 12 of you. Uh, there's four of you. I don't even know who you guys are. And, and that's usually a bad thing. If the QB, you know, coach and the OC of the, the varsity team doesn't know who you are, uh, you're not showing up. It, it's probably something that's, that's going to be difficult for you because, you know, you, you haven't put that time in. So I think you know, that's a, a huge one. You know, there's, there's, there's parts to it. You know, the, the people are kind of the, the fakers. They want to do it. They think it'd be cool. And then there's also some kids like, Hey, they're really good athletes, but they don't want to play quarterback. You know, it's like you were, you were mentioning coach that having the head for it, the moxie, the confidence, you know, they're, they're a great athlete, but it's like, coach, you know what? I, I don't, I don't want to have to, to do all that stuff. Uh, you know, I don't want to have to lead. Uh, I just want to be a great athlete and, you know, go play defense, go play receiver, which is perfectly fine, you know, but you have to kind of figure those things out as you, you go through it, you know, and uh, we just had some youth camps and some seven on seven deals and, and it's kind of fun, you know, Harper asked the question. It's like, that's the process we're kind of going through this week, you know, running some of these camps to see who wants to throw, who wants to step up there, who, who wants to try to make those plays. And then, you know, I think you can, you can kind of roll from there. Uh, and then, you know, usually by the time they're, they're varsity age, it, it kind of whittles itself down to one. If you're lucky, you know, you might have two good ones, but then hopefully you're having kids in, you know, every grade or at least at the bare minimum, every other grade. Yeah, I agree. You, you hit it on the head when you said you got to want to do it. You can't quarterbacks, the one position that you really can't fake it. You really can't force a kid to be there that doesn't want to be there because it's going to show up and it's going to show up fast. There's a lot of kids that have the ability to do it. There's a lot of kids that can throw a good ball or they can make plays with their legs. There's even kids that have the brain for it and can make and can make the decisions and can and have the knowledge that you need them to have. But at the end of the day, if they're not convinced that they're the guy, then they're not the guy. Well, so coach, you know, obviously coming from an, an offensive line standpoint or background, how difficult was it for you to transition where your eyes are during a game or during practice? Um, and I've been in situations I got to go, you know, call the JV game and I'm looking at, you know, okay, what front are they giving us? What are they doing on the front? What are they, you know, doing all this stuff? And then I'm like, I've got no idea even what coverage they were in or even I didn't even look to see what coverage they were in. Was it difficult for you to kind of retrain your eyes on what to look at uh, or did that come pretty simply to you? It, it was tough at first. Uh, those first couple of years of doing it, you know, you, you find yourself falling back into old ways or old habits and, you know, you're glued on the box and, you're glued on the fronts and what they're doing and, and, and how we can combat that. But, you know, as, as you do it, you know, you just become more accustomed to it like anything you do. And probably the biggest thing is, is just surrounding yourself with, with people and coaches that you trust, um, people that you trust to do the things that you used to do or, or look at the things you used to look at. And so that can free you up to look at the other stuff that you need to see. Um, so, so having a, a, a really good offensive line coach that can they can see the box for what it is so that maybe I can pay attention more, you know, to the safeties or, or to the apex defender or where the conflict defender is or whatever it is we're looking for at the time. You know, just putting guys around you that, that you can trust and 
and, and that you know are going to give you the right type of information. Coach, then, you know, obviously being a, an O coordinator and, and you're going to have a hand in, in all the personnel decisions. And this one's for Coach Harper, too, because I always like to, to listen to him, you know, talk about it as well. You know, when you guys then, okay, you've got your quarterback, you've, you've got your guys, you know, kind of placed or whatever. Where are you putting your best offensive lineman? I mean, are you putting your best offensive lineman at center? I'm, I'm always interested to hear. I know Coach Harper just seems like he always like, hey, Walls, you need to move that guy to guard or you need to move that dude to the right side. Or you need to, to be able to manipulate that. Where do you guys kind of figure out where to put your best guys? And then how do you kind of arrive at some of that process as well? Uh, I think for me, um, it comes down to two things. You know, what, what is that kid? You know, what is our best player? What is his body type? And then also, you know, what are what are we trying to do offensively? What what's going to be our nut in the run game? Um, you know, years where years where we've been more of an inside zone based team, um, and we had a, a good bigger kid, uh, we've placed him at center. Um, to be able to get some more interior push and do some things that way. Um, other years where we had a longer, more athletic guy that was our best guy, you know, obviously we've, we've placed him at tackle. Uh, if we're going to throw the ball a lot, obviously left that our quarterback. Um, um, but just, just knowing what their body type is and how they fit what we're trying to do best, I guess, is how, how we approach that. Yeah, Coach, my big question now getting into things is, is obviously you always want to know, you know, where are you going to put your, your your guy, your best lineman? And like you said, sometimes that that is dependent on what is his body type. Uh, but then my other big, now what I've gotten into after the last few years is where are you putting, and not just for you as a question, just my question every year is where am I putting my second guy, right? My second best yeah. guy, because I used to be a guy that, Again, all all things the same. Everyone's the same height and same body type. I'd like to put my best guy at left or right tackle, and I want to put my second best guy at left or right tackle. It was where I was at at one point. Hey, let's let's have really good tackles. That way, when we get these three, four teams, they can take over the ends. Our center center and guards almost always have some type of a double team, so we'll be okay with those guys. And let's put our real our, our dudes at, at tackle. And now I'm getting to a spot almost where um, over the last few years, I'd almost rather put my two best guys on one side, which I used to be uh, not opposed, but I never used to think that way. And and now I'm kind of more into, hey, I would rather put my two very best guys at left tackle, left guard, or whatever, right guard, right tackle, and and have a more dominant side and and a little bit of a weaker side. Um, and obviously there's pros and cons to that, but uh, now I'm at a point where I'm constantly saying, okay, do I put my two best guys right next to each other or do I put them opposite each other so we can feel comfortable, you know, more comfortable running it either way, or am I going to put my two dudes next to each other that way when it is, yeah, everyone knows it's going that way, but it's also at least going behind my two best guys. That's an interesting way to put it, Harp. I never really thought about that. I was kind of like, jog in my mind as to you know where where guys were at I mean and again we were usually ble- blessed with you know pretty pretty solid offensive lines but I think you know most of the time yeah your, your best dude was going to be at, at one of the tackles and then I think it always was kind of a decision I I don't know I've, I've gone back and forth on it too I just always felt like I, I had to have a center you know if I if I didn't have a center 
you know, who, who could do some of the things we wanted. I wanted to make sure we at least had a dude there who could hold up against a lot of the bigger nose tackles we saw. But, but then again, like you said, Hey, you could probably lose a bit, a little bit with center if it is an odd front team, because now you can double them with, with either guard. So, well, then, then the, the and problems, then I think that the problems comes that we're down facing. To, yeah. That's what I was about to say. I, I think it comes down to two, like who's in your league that year? Like, is it, is it jinx when mm-hmm. they had Q, Q at nose? Then I better put my dude at center or we won't get a snap off. Um, or is it, you know, a year where there's not any big time noses and I can get away with putting a, a bigger guy or are we going to be an outside zone team and let's just put a really quick guy at center or are we going to be trying to be a power team? I better put a big dude at center. I think obviously it, it all depends on uh, that, but I, I, I took a lot of, okay, who are we going against? Um, and then, you know, quite honestly, me and our old offensive line coach at Broken Arrow with me, coach Broyles, we had even talked through, no, we never did it. We had talked through like, hey, we've got a guy that could play guard or center, and we've got another guy that plays center or guard. What if against even teams, we make it our quicker guy, and when we play the odd teams with the dudes at nose, let's put our bigger guy at center. Uh, and we never did that because just we, we felt bad about moving centers around with quarterbacks, but, but we got into that spot too where we, we even thought about doing that. I, w- I will add this, that um, on some of the, some of the better offensive lines I've had in the past, um, have generally had our better guy at center. Um, you know, obviously we've had some good dudes at tackle and stuff like that, but in our league, in our state, um, you know, we tend to have some really good interior D linemen, guys that completely wreck shop and, and can take over a game. And so ha- having a center or a, or a good guard that can, that can withstand some of that and, and kind of take a little bit of that pressure off you has been very beneficial to us in the past. Well, and I think, Coach, you hear so much of, like, all the OCs and all the skilled guys always talk about, let's get the ball into our dude's hand. I mean, that's that's kind of like the thing right now in the past. And it should always be the thing. I, I'm with it. But you always hear that. I think sometimes we try to be too complicated up front um, to where, like, we got in the state championship game uh, and, and we moved our freak tackle everywhere. Hey, if we're going to run power, we want you to be play side. If we're going to run inside zone, we want you to go backside. And it's like, yeah, the defense knows. But, again, we're going to be running it behind our best player. Um, and, so, you know, at times we put our running back in at quarterback. And I think it doesn't always have to be that difficult. Let's put our, our best dude catching the ball right away and run him behind our best dude. And if we've got to flip those guys around, hey, let's flip them around and let's find a way to, to put it behind our best player. Where, where guard, center, tackle, wherever, let's, let's try to make sure we're running behind him. Well, it's, it's kind of like people say, you know, teams and coaches have tendencies, but they have tendencies for a reason. They have tendencies because those things work. So put it behind your dude and let him do what he does. <laughs> that's one of my favorite quotes. That's a, that's a Tremble yep. quote as well, right, Walls? Yeah, that's, it, that's all Alan Trimble would say. He's like, hey, we, we need to establish some tendencies. That's like <laughs> you'd sit in meetings and say that. We, we want to have tendencies because we want to be really good at it. And again, we should be running behind our, our best dudes. And, and, you know, to, to, to piggyback on what you're saying too, Harp, I mean, think about as a D coordinator, you know, or, or a D line coach or whoever's breaking that down, you know, imagine the, the extra hours you have to work to understand, you know, when you did move guys around, because remember we, we did that against, you know, Jenks, 
you know, and the first time they'd moved, you know, their D line uh, around to try to match up with us. And then you remember in the, in the state championship, then they left them at one spot. So obviously they'd change it, but again, they had to think about it. They had to manipulate it. They had to change their defense a little bit. Maybe they did some things that they weren't as comfortable doing. Uh, I think you could pose a ton of problems. Like you're mentioning, you know, especially if you have some veteran offensive linemen, you have guys who can play in, in multiple spots and understand multiple spots. And especially if you have the, you know, that, that one freak dude, I think it, it poses all kinds of matchup problems. You know, that's the one spot on the field where, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to formate, we're going to move, we're going to motion. We'll do all that stuff offensively, but we quote, won't do that with the offensive line. I think you make a great point there because uh, that was one thing we really weren't scared to do. We would move our offensive linemen around, you know, we'd, we'd go a little bit unbalanced and heavy and leave a tight end playing quote tackle and, and move a guy out to tight end just to get those best matchups. Like you said, if they weren't going to move defensive linemen around, we're going to completely cave your right side. We're going to cave your left side. If you move defensive linemen around, now you're putting a guy in a position where he's not comfortable playing. We can manipulate and, and do some different things that make them feel uncomfortable. And, and it makes the DC feel uncomfortable because man, we haven't practiced this. We haven't done this enough. Uh, they're giving us all kinds of problems or, you know, a couple of times we saw fronts that, you know, teams that come up with junk fronts to try to stop us. All of a sudden now you come up with that unbalanced look or that heavy look, they get out of that crap because they get caught a couple of times. Well, the, the unbalanced heavy look can be such a tough thing on, on defenses. You know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite formations I think ever is, uh, you know, nub tight end and trips to the field, but now you move your right tackle over to like a tight end on the left. So now he's got to be covered up, but now that's your run strength, but it's also your pass strength because you got numbers over there, but you still have to cover someone with the nub tied in because he's still technically eligible. And, and it just, you know, so many times I like nub because the defense has to decide, are we going to go strength to the, to the boundary or strength to the field? Well, now the defense has to decide, am I going strength out to the receivers? Uh, and what am I going to do with this overhang? Or am I going strength to the run game? And it's still putting them in, in a t terrible situation. Um, but I think even, even tougher sometimes than going nub, you know, the situation they're in when it is true nub uh, trips. And then I think too, you know, you, you move, you go trips and, and don't move your tackle and then uh, put that tight end back into a wing or a slot. Uh, and I think that makes it really difficult as well. You know, going two guys up on the line of scrimmage. Um, but so many different things you can do. Co Coach Atkins, how do, you, how do you work in some of those new formations or some of those different formations in your offense? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is, uh, is trying to find a way to systematically uh, get that stuff in without overloading. Um, you know, you always hear the thing that formations are cheap or formations are cheap, plays are expensive. Um, and so it's a lot easier to dress up some of the stuff you already do with some, like you said, some new formations, some new uh, shifts or some unbalanced looks or things like that. So, so finding a way to clue that into the language that already exists for us um, and then run what we already do, what we're already good at. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm never against adding new looks or, or, or new window dressing or a new way to present something as long as it fits into schematically and, and, and our, our identity of our team of, of what we're trying to do. Coach kind of shifted gears on you here a little bit. Um, again, like I said, I I've been to Alabama, you know, a few times now and, 
uh, you know, l- lucky enough now, uh, Co- Coach Wiggins is is the receivers coach down there. He was actually the running backs coach when I when I was at Tulsa. So, you know, he's been gracious enough to to help me out a little bit, and I'm still hoping to get down there. But, you know, love the state, love going down there to visit. My parents literally now, you know, they they're going to to Gulf Shores almost or Orange Beach area, you know, literally two months out of the year. So, I mean, it, it's a place that they really like. My uncle had bought a house in, in Foley for a long time uh, and, you know, until his wife passed away. So, I mean, it was a place that that I love going to, to visit. And I, I think it's it's a hidden gem in the United States. But uh, you go down there, I mean, it's it's Alabama versus Auburn. Um, and, it, and it's, you know, they it, it, pure hatred, uh, obviously, and I think, you know, tongue in cheek, I, I say that, but I'm sure there's some people that, that, that really do get into it that hardcore, but can you talk a little bit about like, uh, when those staffs come into the high school and recruit, I'm always interested to hear, you know, cause it's a battleground state. I mean, it's, it's Auburn versus Alabama in all these different high schools. And I would have to imagine, you know, coaches and places have different allegiances to those, uh, to those spots. Obviously we want our kid, you know, our kids to go to whatever school it might be, but, you know, how do they kind of break up how they recruit areas? Um, I'm fascinated to hear, you know, what, what Auburn's doing. I'm fascinated to hear what, what Nick Saban has actually done there to, to be able to kind of encompass the state of Alabama and obviously, you know, select a lot of the best players. And then Auburn's doing a, a lot of the same as well. Yeah, so it's about like you'd expect um, when one of those guys shows up on campus. Um, like if a Nick Saban shows up on campus or, you know, now what would be Brian Harson or what would have been Gus Malzahn. When one of those guys shows up on campus, it, it, it's an absolute frenzy. Uh, you know, students, teachers, administrators, they all want to get pictures. They all want to be seen with them. Um, you know, people talk about Auburn and Alabama as, as a big rivalry nationally. Um, and sometimes, you, you know, you feel like it gets dwindled or it gets put behind things like Ohio State, Michigan, things like, you know, some of those other big games. But but I promise you, it, once you come here and you live it, it it's 365, it's it's constant. It's uh, it's something you can't escape. So so it's it's quite an affair when those guys show up. Um, as far as the recruiting process goes, um, you know, it's kind of funny. You tend to see – you tend to see uh, one high school – send kids to one of them in one high school, send them to another. You, you don't re- really ever see kids get split. Like one kid at one school signs with Auburn, another kid at the same school signs with Alabama. That's not something you really see generally if they've got two or three of those type dudes, they're all going to Alabama or they're all going to Auburn. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there are alliances with, with some high school coaches with those staffs and, you know, relationships that have been, been developed over time and, and things like that. And now you've got a new staff at Auburn. So, you know, that that's something that they're probably working to do now, which is develop some of those relationships and create some of those ties for themselves. Um, but I think the biggest thing to say about the whole Auburn Alabama deal is it it's crazy, man. And it, it's something that uh it's something that you can't imagine until you see it, the type of uh environment it creates when when those people show up on your campus. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Uh, you know, obviously we see the Oklahomas. We saw the Oklahomas come through and, and uh, you know, Oklahoma States and all that, but just not the type of rivalry that, that Alabama-Auburn has. Um, how are how open are, are some of those schools to the high school, the high school staffs? Like Oklahoma was, was fairly open, but you kind of had to know somebody. It seems like, 
here in Texas, th- those college coaches are are having clinics, you know, every week. And there's lots of, of college coaches and lots of them are, are reaching out to help high school coaches. Now, again, not that Oklahoma isn't. I had my fair share, but you kind of had to know someone to get in with those where it seems like here in Texas, they're putting on lots of clinics, throwing out lots of stuff to the high school coaches. What is that like, that relationship like between high school coaches and, the, and those, you know, colleges uh, in uh, where you're at? Yeah, my experience, you know, so far has all the schools in our state have been very open and, and very gracious with their time and their resources. You know, they all put on the one, you know, spring clinic each year uh, where they have all the coaches up and, you know, you, you do some clinic talk, you do some social, you do some watch practice, stuff like that. But they're also, most of them are pretty open door. You know, if you have a question and you reach out, you know, if you've got the time to get up there, they'll they'll have you in. They'll let you sit in on meetings, um, and they're they're pretty open. Uh, you know, the last couple of years being at Dothan, you know, we've been right down the road from Troy University, um, and and Chip Lindsey and his staff have have been really gracious to us and really all the staffs in Alabama. They've uh, you know Troy. One thing Troy did was throughout the spring was every Thursday night they had a, a kind of an open an open uh, kind of coaches clinic slash social where, where you could, you could show up and uh, go into a meeting room with whatever position coach you wanted to go in with or a coordinator and talk ball, talk about whatever you need to talk about. If you have questions, you know, get on the board, go over things. And then they'd wrap it up with a social just to kind of, again, develop those relationships with the coaches and, and, and all in the end is create more for your kids and get them those opportunities. Uh, I know when Coach Malzahn and his staff was at Auburn the last few years, you know, their doors were always open. You know, him being an ex-high school coach and, and a lot of his coaches being ex-high school coaches, you know, they're really understanding of the profession and, and, and what we put into it. And uh, they, were, they were pretty, pretty gracious as well. I mean, there's, there's not a school in the state that I've, that I've seen that's not willing to do whatever you need them to do or, or give whatever help you need from them. Coach, you, you know, talking to those clinics, I think the one thing you always see and and um, that's always bugged me is when, like, the high school coach, they're supposed to be asking questions. Like, these college guys are giving their time. Here, here's a clinic. I'll give you anything you want. And then, like, the high school coach raises his hand and and just wants to talk about everything that he does. Well, you know, I, I, my double teams, I teach it like this, 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 and this. Um, I, I, it always just, like, makes me cringe a little bit when I when I hear that. Um, I don't know why, and I don't even know why I, I bring that up or think of that, but it, it seems like it happens at almost every clinic, and it always just is, is cringy to me, uh, you know, the few guys that want to raise their hand and, and kind of be that guy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I've, I've seen the same thing, but, you know, the, uh, what I have seen from a lot of those clinics as well is, is a lot of those college coaches are willing to take the time to step aside individually and and go over anything you ask them a lot of these guys you know you you'd kind of have this image in your head of them being tight-lipped and, and close to the chest with things but but they're man they're an open book and and they're willing to help almost 100 percent of the time coach have you had an opportunity you know to to get over to to tuscaloosa and maybe see some of the new things they're doing you know strength and condition wise i know with with coach ray and i always forget the other guys i think it's coach blue or something like that um that they're doing strength wise, you know, and maybe a little bit about how, you know, Nick Saban seems to me like he's always kind of ahead of the curve, you know, he's willing to change, 
know, he's going to have the same lingo. He's going to do, you know, his recruiting the same way. He's going to, he's going to play the same defense and, you know, obviously tweak it here and there, but he's been super willing to, to really change, you know, his approach to, to strength and conditioning, to speed development, and also then, you know, change his offense to fit more. Hey man, we got to bring in better receivers. We got to bring in better skill players. We got to bring in better quarterbacks. And, and since then, obviously, uh, I think you've even seen the the program go to a whole new level. Oh, agreed. Um, I've I've not been up there in person in probably two years, um, but I obviously being in the state, you know, follow them closely, follow what they do closely. Um, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, Coach Saban has showed time and time again that you know he's not satisfied with with being the best right now he wants to constantly be the best so he's constantly looking to adjust and change and and find the next thing and I think that's evident with you know kind of the evolution they've had offensively over the last you know seven eight years um you know the bringing in bringing in some new coordinators switching to more of your 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 no huddle stuff you know for a while coach Saban was kind of leading the charge against no huddle and against some of the the substitution rules. And then now he changes and now he's one of the most explosive offenses in the country. So, and then again, like you said, with the new strength coaches, uh, coach blue, and I think the other one's name is coach Raya, you know, uh, some of the stuff I've seen them put out through social media, some of the data that they've been showing on, you know, tracking players like Jalen Waddle and guys like that, and some of the new approaches they're taking, you know, I was actually having a conversation today with one of the coaches on our staff about about the difference between, you know, what they're doing, what they've done in the past. And, you know, it just seems like, you know, they're ahead of the game. And it seems like strength-wise, at least, the approach they're taking is is trying to get more into that scientific world of, you know, true biomechanics in the body and how it works and maximizing performance. Kind of like you see the shift in O-line play going to where it's more rooted in science and it's more rooted in, you know, how the body works and the individual body and things like that. And you're just seeing things become more individualized and you're seeing things become more tailored to the specific athlete. Are you seeing some of that kind of bleed over then? I mean, you know, being now, you know, tied into, I would say, you know, be kind of at the forefront with the, the Alabama football chat. Uh, are you kind of noticing that, you know, maybe it is changing the way some of the guys think maybe about, you know, conditioning, really, really grinding your guys. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's still going to be a, a toughness component to, to football, but, you know, our guys maybe starting to kind of, you know, make that mental shift. Hey man, we don't have to, to kill our guys all summer. You know, we'll, we'll still be tough. We'll still be fast and explosive. You know, what's kind of your, the vibe you're getting down there, uh, you know, and being able to talk with some of these guys, are, are you seeing it bleed into the, the high school game and the way that, you know, athletes are being coached and developed now down in Alabama? Yeah, it's, it's for sure trickling down, um, and it's for sure happening at our level. I think what you're seeing is you're seeing kind of a divide right now. Um, you've got one side of the fence, which is kind of embracing the newness. They're embracing the change. Uh, they're leaning into the fact that things are going to have to be individualized in order to truly maximize the athlete and their potential. Um they're leaning into some of the, uh, the change in mindset of – of how we view things and, and, and some of the approaches we take and the exercises we do. And, Hey, is that, is that really beneficial to the athlete or is that just something we're doing because it sounds hard and it sounds cool. And then you're seeing the other side of the fence, which is kind of stuck in, 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 in that mindset. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to give it a negative connotation, but you know, they're in the mindset of, you know, this is how we've done things in the past. 
Um, and, and this is how we're going to do things because it's been successful for us in the past. But I think at the same time, it goes to what we just talked about with Coach Saban and that willingness to adapt and that willingness to change when, you know, yeah, I've had success in the past doing it this way, but, you know, here's here's an advancement. Here's something that's come along in research or science or, or what have it. And this is saying that, hey, this is going to be better for my kid now. You know, can I try this? Will it work for me? And then willing to try it and willing to experiment and find the new way to do things that may be a little bit better. Um, and in that process, you find some ways that, you know, maybe you try that aren't as successful. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all, we're all in this business of high school football, not because we make a ton of money, but because we want to have an impact on our, our kids' lives. And can at the end of the day, can we say that we're doing the most for our kids and trying to give them the most and, and put them in the best position to be successful if we're not willing to try some of this new methodology that may have a better impact on them? I love it, Coach. And it is really, really fun to see. Um, it, it is cool to see the, the difference and and still is important, you know, some some, you know, just getting after it. But but also, like you said, work with each kid. And, and it's really fun to see how much everything has grown from that. I know you mentioned this year, you know, obviously all the COVID stuff, it was, was extremely difficult. It was difficult across the country. And, and obviously there was uh, tons of, of negatives and, and things that people didn't like about it. I'm curious though. And what I've been asking a bunch of coaches, just because uh, I'm trying to steal some good things from people. Is there anything that you guys were forced to do because of COVID, whether that be install or how you met or, um, you know, weekly, uh, you know, practice plans and stuff. Was there anything that, that, that you were forced to do in COVID that you think that, that you're going to continue doing because it ended up being a, a more efficient way to do things or a better way to do things? Yeah, I, th I think there were quite a few things that, that, that I'll took, that I'll take from COVID and from that experience of, you know, of, of improving how we do things. One is just the way we met. Um, you know, we were forced to meet in smaller numbers. So it's a lot more uh, position oriented and, you know, less whole offensive meetings. And one thing that really forced us to do as a staff was it forced us to really be more intentional in our staff meetings. Because now, you know, whereas in the past, maybe we were going to have a whole offensive meeting and look at a new install and I can kind of oversee it and make sure things are being said and that kind of stuff. Now you've really got to rely on your on all your coaches to be able to deliver that install properly. And so it forces you and your staff meetings to be a lot more intentional about how you're spending your time and really developing that common language amongst each other so that you are using the same words with the kids. Um, that was one of the biggest things that, that I think I took away. Um, another thing is just and this is something that that I guess we've always tried to get better at, but it's just the constant movement in practice of of not being stagnant at times i know um with with you know having that offensive line background you know i'll never say i can have enough fundy you can always give me more fundy time but at the same time i don't need to be standing in one spot for 15 minutes doing the same thing uh, and so with the covid making you having to change around making you have to move into different things and use different groups that that was one of the things i felt like it really emphasized to our staff was you know, how can we be, A, more intentional with our time so we're getting stuff done in a quick manner, but also 
be how can we make it not stagnant where we're moving to different things and our kids don't become bored or stale on what we're talking about coach and then my kind of last question for you is is you know you've been an offensive line coach and 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 now you're away from that and and I don't know whether you've had the opportunity to hire an offensive line coach but you you for sure know kind of what helps you and and what you're looking for in, uh, in an offensive line coach kind of what are you looking for that that really helps you out um, you know, what kind of traits or person that, what are you looking for in an offensive line coach? And then my other part of it is like, how do you do with allowing them to do what they want to do as long as it's sound, even though it may not be what ha- the exact way you would do it. Um, the biggest compliment I could give our old head coach who was, you know, a 10 year NFL offensive lineman and uh, a state champion offensive line coach was, he was did an unbelievable job of kind of letting me run with things. And he kept an eye on it, made sure it was all sound. And there's plenty of things that he had changed or asked me to do differently. But for the most part, could kind of let me do my thing. How do you deal with that, having that offensive line background? Uh, that's an awesome question. Um, I think as far as what am I looking for in that coach, um, that's got to be the guy that I trust, you know, to the end of the line over everything, you know, like ride or die at the end of the day, I got to be able to trust this guy. Um, I got to be willing to jump in a foxhole with him and go to war. Um, Because with offensive line being my background, with it being my baby, it's – I've got to trust that guy. It's got to be a personal relationship. It's got to be close. It's got to be I know what he's thinking and he knows what I'm thinking. Um, I've been very blessed, you know, at Dothan working with Coach Pridgen that, that was an awesome relationship. We, we definitely reached that point where, you know, we trusted each other. We knew what each other was thinking. Um, that was great. Now at Benjamin Russell, I'm getting a chance to work with with a guy by the name of Jess Smith, um, and he is he is fantastic. I've known him for a while. I've not had a chance to work with him before until this year, but he is great. Um, we're already developing that bond as far as trusting each other. Um, the biggest thing I look for in an O-line guy is, is one thing that both of those guys possess, and that's that they've got to be a great teacher. They, they've got to be able to command a room. They've got to be able to deliver content in every way possible so that I can reach every kid possible because we all know that, you know, every kid is not going to be reached the same way. Um, you know, this kid may learn it better from when you draw it on the board, and this kid may learn it better when you walk through, and this kid may learn it better when you talk them through it and explain why. And so do we have a guy that can, A, do that, that can wear all those different hats and, B, command that room so that it doesn't get stale, it doesn't get um, attention all over the place, that everybody's locked in, and then, B, that I can trust them at the end of the day to let them go be free and do what they need to do because coaching the quarterbacks, I've got to be all into that. So I need a guy that can be turned loose with the O-line. Um, and so that, that's kind of what, what we look for. Um, and then and then how do I turn them loose? How do I trust them to do that? Um, it's just really, you know, I want them to – I want coaches to coach. So if, if I've got an offensive line coach or a receivers coach or a running back, I want him to do what he needs to do, how he wants to do it. I want him to coach. But it also on that other side of the coin is, you know, I want to be able to ask him questions at times. Like, hey, you know, like why are you doing this? Can you explain what your approach is here? What are you trying to get out of this? How does this relate to the general scheme that we're looking at this day? Um, and as long as they can kind of explain those things to me that makes sense and 
and, and I know that they're on the same page with me and we're moving the same direction, then I, I want them to coach. I want them to be themselves because if they're hesitant or if they're unsure or if they're not, if they're not fully confident to be themselves, then they're not going to be the best coach that they can be. So trying to instill that confidence in them that, A, I trust them, that I want them to do to do what they do. But as long as, you know, I can ask those questions at the end of the day and I can kind of understand their thought process. Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast, man. The, uh, the hour's flown by. Uh, a lot like, you know, doing a, a chat with you guys. It's always a, a good time. I, I love how much fun you guys have with that and, you know, love being able to, to rattle ideas off of, of you guys. And, and the best part of it, like I said, you know, Alabama is a, a cool place to me and, and just being able to meet so many more coaches down in that neck of the woods. You know, I'm excited to be able to get down there at some point and, and know a few guys that uh, you can always kind of pop in and check on and, and go learn some things or, or maybe run into at a clinic. So love having you on again, coach, and, and keep up the great work, man. We love what you guys are doing. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, people, what you guys do with the podcast and, and, and social media and, and now with the courses and the online stuff and everything, it, it's great. It's awesome. It's amazing for our profession. It's amazing for our guys to learn, you know, people like me who, who, who dive into that stuff and love that stuff. And I've learned so much from, from just listening to your guys' podcast and the different guests you have on and, and listen and watching the content you put out and things like that. So I can't thank you guys enough for, for what y'all do. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.